And good morning once again. Nice to be with you. There's real disadvantages to sitting in the front row. When I'm speaking, I usually sit in the front row. And, you know, you never really know if you're in the front row um, whether you're supposed to sit or stand. And, you know, if you miss your cue, you'll be standing when you're to be seated or seated when you're supposed to be standing. And I was at a church one time, and I was in the front, and uh, and we were standing, and somehow there was a queue where people knew to sit down. And so during the whole song, I was standing up in the front pew, and everybody else was seated. And so I have learned to kind of look around and see what other people are doing. So if you're not real attentive to what the cues are, you might miss it. But anyhow, we're glad to be with you, especially this Christmas season. This is certainly a special day in our calendar, and we'll be privileged to be with you next Sunday on Christmas Eve, and I do trust you will uh, be here for that. Hopefully we'll have something very special for the kids. A lot of children here, and hopefully we'll have something uh like an object lesson or something for the kids next week. Uh, This morning, I would like to talk about the cost of celebration. I, I suppose most of us would use the cliche, we're celebrating Christmas. Well, the rest of the world is celebrating Christmas, too, even in countries that are atheistic. Uh... And so even in atheistic countries, there is a sense that they worship or observe or celebrate Christmas in some fashion. But what does it really mean for the believer in Christ? We've been blood-bought by Jesus Christ. What does it really mean for us to celebrate Christmas? Well, as a background, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 9. Luke 9. And I would like us to read a few verses beginning with verse 57. Luke 9:57. And it came to pass that as they went in the way a certain man said unto him Lord I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest And Jesus said unto him Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests but the son of man hath not where to lay his head And he said unto another follow me but he said Lord suffer me first to go and bury my father And Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go and bid them farewell which are at home and my house. And Jesus said, No man hath to put his hand to the plow, and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Let's pray. 
Father, this time of year we have so many wonderful opportunities to plant seeds and to share our testimony with others. I do ask that you would guide us as we mingle with others in this community that maybe don't know the Lord at work, at school. There are people that are looking, and the Holy Spirit promised that he would open up hearts and prepare hearts for our witness. So give us boldness, give us wisdom to know when to speak and how to speak. And guide us now as we learn something about celebrating Christmas. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When I first started pastoral ministry about 50 years ago, there was a trend, and churches go through trends, but there was a trend as to what we can do as a church to get more converts. And I remember when I first came into the ministry, this was one of the goals, to establish quotas and to see how many converts we can get throughout the year. And I remember how this went because I was beginning my ministry and I was in the learning phase and I was learning some interesting things about what church people were doing to reach more people with the gospel. And one of the first things that came out was, well, let's moderate our message just a little bit. And so churches decided that let's not speak about hell because that might offend some people. And we'll reach more people if we fail to preach on hell. And then the goal was to lessen our expectations. Let's not demand so much. Let's not uh, expect so much from people that do trust Christ. And we'll reach even more. And then others said, well, let's try to take away the pain. Let's take away the hurt. Let's take away the inconvenience of Christianity. Maybe let's drop prayer meeting or, or something like that. And we'll reach even more yet. And now today we're in a stage where the message of the uh, a church is, let's try to make Christianity prosperous. That if you become converted and become a Christian, you will prosper financially. And if you watch the television, uh, radio programs, you'll know that that is the fad today. Well, the result was an easy, convenient, no-depth form of Christianity. And I believe in our country today, we are seeing a churches, we are seeing churches with people, but there is no depth often. So today I would like to talk to you about how this relates to Christmas. You know, for 2,000 years, we've been, we've been celebrating Christmas. I figure, give or take a few thousand, that's like a hundred thousand times since Christ that the church 
has celebrated Christmas. Now, you would think that after celebrating Christmas so long, that we would be experts. I mean, repetition creates perfection, right? Well, I'm not sure that's true with Christmas. Because Christmas started somewhere around the middle of October, and it usually ends somewhere in the middle of January. And so we celebrate Christmas for three months. And during that time, we spend untold amount of money buying presents and going shopping. We decorate our homes. We, we have uh, uh, all kinds of special programs at church. And all that we go through with all of our office parties and things like that, you know, we, we celebrate Christmas year after year after year for three months out of the year. And you would think that we would be experts at something that we practice so much. But yet today, we live in a world where we want convenience, we want a Christianity that is convenient, we want a Christianity that is comfortable, we want a Christianity that is painless. In, uh, in the area where I live, we see a lot of commercials on television, and we see a lot of signs that say, uh, painless dentistry. Painless dentistry. Now, I've got a, something to tell you that there is no such thing as painless dentistry. There isn't. I, I had a, when I was 12 years old, I had my appendix taken out, and the doctor that took my appendix out, his name was Dr. Hurt. And I had a dentist called Dr. Ake. Really. But that is, that is something that the dental profession is promoting today. Dentistry, that doesn't hurt. And so we are as well promoting a Christianity that is Christianity that is convenient, comfortable, and painless. Now we can learn a lot from the Wise men. In our text today, we made reference to three people that came to Jesus and said, Jesus, I will, I will follow you wherever you go. And they said, but, but first I got something to do and then I'll follow you. And Jesus rebuked them. But we can learn from the wise men. We cannot celebrate Christmas without sacrifice. Now, the wise men, they knew, the, they read the prophets, they read the book of Isaiah, and they knew that the Christ child was coming, and they were told of an angel that there's a star in the east, and follow the star, and you'll find the Christ child. Well, first of all, the wise men sacrificed. They brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Secondly, they faced opposition, because they knew that King Herod would not want to recognize uh, 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 Jesus the Christ. Thirdly, they were obedient. They followed the direction of the angel. And fourthly, they really made a hard choice because their life was changed forever. They would be hunted, they would be fugitives, and they would, 
the rest of their lives be hunted by Herod. And so Jesus, Jesus explained to us what Christmas should be. And I think if he would hear today, he would say, now let's not celebrate Christmas. I mean, we bake cookies and feel that that's celebrating Christmas and we wrap Christmas presents and we buy new outfits for Christmas Eve and everything else. Jesus didn't say celebrate my birth. What he did say, we just read in Luke. He said, follow me. When he went to the apostles, he said, follow me. The Bible says they took up their nets and they followed him. Twenty-seven times in the Gospels, we find references of Jesus saying, follow me. He did not say, celebrate me. He said, follow me. He didn't even talk so much about worshiping him, even though we do worship and should. He said, follow me. Because when we follow him, we will naturally be worshiping him. Jesus said, follow me. And when we follow him, that means that we will obey him. And when we obey him, worship will be natural. Now, the world today and our churches today, unfortunately, want to go through the pageantry of Christmas like they do every year. Every, every church has neat traditions, and nobody would deny us that. But we have a way of celebrating, and yet at the same time, Jesus said, I want to explain to you what it means when you have genuine celebration. We don't like it too much when he says, follow me, because there's a price to pay. When the three people came to Jesus and said, I'll follow you wherever you go, he said, wait a minute, there's a price to pay. And what did they do? They said, well, I'm going to have to wait a while because I'm not ready yet. So what does it mean to really celebrate? And I have maybe six or eight things I would like to suggest with you. Number one, when we genuinely celebrate Christ, we will walk in his steps. Peter said, For even here unto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. Celebrating Christmas means walking in his steps. You all have seen the picture of a man walking on the beach and leaving his footprints and his son walking behind and putting his feet in his father's steps. Very true. When we celebrate Christ, when we worship Christ, the proof that we are worshiping him, the evidence that we understand worship is when we walk in his steps. Number two, 
When we genuinely celebrate Christmas, we will be ready and willing to suffer. 2 Timothy 3.12 Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. All those that are godly in Christ shall suffer persecution. Why? Because Jesus Christ suffered. And so he said, if you will follow me, you will suffer as well. The wise men paid a price, a big price, to come to the feet of Jesus and worship him. They became fugitives for life from the wrath of King Herod. They were willing to suffer. Number three, genuine celebration means that at times we will stand alone. Isaiah 53, 3. He is despised, speaking of Jesus, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we had, as it were, our faces from him. The Bible says if you will follow Jesus, you will at times need to follow him and be alone. That's why it's important for you to be here today. You need a support group. And when we retired about five years ago, one of the first things we talked about is we need a support group. We stayed at the same church that we pastored for almost 25 years. They're our friends. They love us and we love them. And we've learned over the years how to behave ourselves when I'm not the pastor. But we've, we have found that we need a support group. And you do too. And over the years I have met many people who stand alone. I have had people come to me and say, you know, for many people their family is a support group. But I am the only believer in my family. There may be some here like that. You are the only believer in your family. You may go to work and you may, you may say that you are the only believer at work, the only one that knows Jesus Christ at work. Well, that means your work should be a mission field, but it also means that you must stand alone. And then there are those that go to school. And you're in Christmas break now, right kids? Or no? No? When do you quit school? For Christmas. Something like Wednesday, they don't know. Might as well stay in school. They like school, they like school so much they don't count the days when it's over. But I talk to many kids who go to school and they say, you know, I don't know. And there are, there are some, I think, but I don't know of one person in school that is a Christian. And they have learned at home, at work, at school to stand alone. That's celebrating Christmas. Celebrating Christmas also means sacrifice. It means walking in the steps. It means suffering. It means standing alone. 
It means sacrifice like the wise men. Matthew 8, when he says, The foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. That's interesting. You know, when I read that, I thought this last year, I, if, if, if I never see a commercial for my pillow again, it, I'll be okay with that. Every time I turn on my television, there's this guy trying to sell me a pillow. Now, I'm pretty fussy about the kind of pillows that I have. I, my wife will tell you that I have a fetish for pillows, and I, I'm always thinking that there's a better pillow. Now, the pillow that I like now is the kind with these tiny microbeads, and it's kind of got a silky cover to it, and I like that. that I, so I have, I'm, there's a name for it, I don't know what it's called, but... But how many, how many bought my pillow? Do, do you like it? You like it? It's good. <laughs> but when I see that commercial, the first thing I think about is this verse. Jesus didn't even have a place to lay his head. Leave alone a pillow. He didn't even have a place to lay his head. The foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man doesn't have a place to lay his head. Sacrifice. To celebrate Christmas, biblically, means sacrifice. It means, it means following in the footsteps of Jesus. And Jesus did not even have a place to lay his head. Number five, to really celebrate biblically Christmas, we must learn what it means to obey. Now, this is not what you might expect for the week before Christmas. You would think I would talk about Christmas lights and Christmas cookies and, and, and parties and programs and all the wonderful things. Now, I enjoy the Christmas lights. Last week, we went to Frankenmuth and looked at all the lights in Frankenmuth. And, and then we went to Rochester Hills in Detroit. Have you been to Rochester Hills in Detroit? How many have been there? Raise your hand. Okay, the rest of you should go. You're missing out. Downtown Rochester Hills. The whole downtown is filled with I never saw anything like it in my life. And somebody wanted to take us there, and so we went with them. But I submit to you the truth about Christmas. It isn't about lights. We enjoy them. My wife made chocolate chip cookies, and I enjoy that. And uh, next week we will have pecan pie, which is my favorite, and blah, blah, blah. And so we, we do Christmas, and we send out cards, and we pass around Christmas presents. But the real message of Christmas, and the, if, if Jesus were here, he would say, if you want to celebrate my birthday, learn to obey. And you say, how can I learn to obey God's will? Well, put this in the back of your mind and store it there because it'll come to help you. 99% of God's will is found right here in God's word. 
99% of what God wants you to know about His will for your life is found right here in the Scripture. And if you obey what is in the Scripture, the portrait of your life will be 98 or 99% done. And you won't have any problem knowing how to fill in the minor pieces. Obedience. How do we celebrate Christmas? By walking in the steps, by suffering, by standing alone, by sacrifice, by obedience. Number six, by learning to serve, by learning to be a servant. Jesus said, the greatest person, when the the apostles, they had a contest to see who could be the greatest. He said, the greatest person here is the one that's the greatest servant. He called us to serve. Matthew 6.24, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love another, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. And we can tell when we are serving, when we are really defining in our life who our master is, who was in control of our life. We will really understand Christmas, when we understand that Jesus did not come to be ministered unto, but he came to serve and be a ransom for many. He did not come to be served. And if you come to church today with the expectation that you were going to get something, you know, I've had people tell me that, well, I'm going to change churches because I'm not getting fed. I say, wait a minute, is that why you're here? That shouldn't be why you're here. If, if, if you are here thinking that you're going to get something for you, that's focused on you. You should be here to give something to somebody else. Somebody here looks up to you. Somebody here can be blessed by your life. Somebody here needs a kind word. Somebody here needs a hug. Somebody here needs to go back and say, I was blessed today by how God's people ministered to me. But if you come thinking you're here to get something, you don't get worship here, you bring your worship here. We don't come here to get worship. We come to bring worship. And if you're not worshiping during the week, you're not going to have nothing to bring. And you're not going to serve others. And you're not going to be a minister. So real Christmas is learning to serve. The greatest person in this church is the one that's the greatest servant. When you come to church every Sunday and say, Who can I minister to today? Who can I reach today? Who can I, who can I touch today? Who is it that I can encourage today? There are people that come to church, they've been beaten up all week long. People that come that have the worst week of the year and they come to church and they really need somebody to, to take them by the hand and say, you are loved and we care. Uh, are there any prayer requests that I can take from you for this week? Well, number six is served. Number seven, the last one, real Christmas is trusting. Matthew six twenty five. Therefore I say to you, 
Be not anxious for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things, but seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. It is said by many people that it takes me the end of January to lose all the weight that I gained during the Christmas season. Well, we, we are really here to trust. We are really here as a form of trust and placing our lives into the hands of God and know that He will take care of us. You know, there is a, what they call a Blue Monday. The Blue Monday is the third Sunday in, the third, the third week of Third, third, third Sunday of January, when uh, people are most depressed uh, over any other time of the year, well, that's when all of our MasterCard bills come due. And there's a big letdown because maybe you didn't get the presents or you didn't get the accolades or you didn't get recognized this Christmas like you feel that you should. And so it's a time of deep depression. They call it blue Sunday. Well, Jesus said, don't be anxious for your life. Worship me, celebrate me biblically, and I will take care of you. So if Jesus were here today, he would say, don't don't just celebrate. Obey me. Don't just worship. Follow me. He would say, don't just sing, sacrifice. If Jesus here would say, here he would say, don't, don't worry about decorating your house. Decorate your heart. Don't just shop and bake and, and feed yourself until you're sick. He would say, learn to trust me. And then to some, he would say, Don't follow the crowd. Rather, learn to be alone. Some people follow the crowd and make wrong friends because they just can't stand being alone. Well, if you're a follower of Jesus and want to recognize and celebrate Jesus, he stood alone. He stood alone. Oh, yes, you say he had the twelve apostles, but... Only one of them was there at his crucifixion. They misunderstood him. They were rabble-rousers. They, 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 they really weren't good companions for Jesus. Every time he was with them, it seems like they were up to no good. And then when it was time for him to give his life, only John, for what we understand, was there at the cross. So this Christmas, I would suggest to you that we must celebrate. Well, we must understand what celebration is. We have been celebrating, we will be celebrating Christmas for three months. And, and, and we, we really should know how to do it. We've had a lot of practice. I'm 72. I've been, I've celebrated Christmas 72 times. 
May it be a real Christmas. By our lives, may others know what the reality of Christmas really is and what celebrate Christmas is. And when you get to the end, when you get to the end of Christmas, those that mean the most to you, those that are in your mission field, will know what Christmas means to you. Let's pray. Now, Father, you have made yourself plain in your word. And we have shared some thoughts today about what it really means to be a follower of Jesus. And that's what he asks of us, to be followers. We know that it's a price. We know that it's not easy. But rather than try to water down and make the Christian life painless, may we recognize that you will give us grace to make it through these special times of the year and maintain our spiritual integrity. Grant us opportunities. People are hungry. People are searching. And the Holy Spirit promised that he would bring conviction upon those that are seeking. And so we know that there are those at work, at school, wherever we are, in our families, We all have families where there are some that don't know Jesus. And I pray that we would use this opportunity to find a way to reach out to others that don't know Jesus Christ. So bless this church family. Give them courage. Give them wisdom to know when to speak and how to speak. And may they enjoy this special time of the year. And may we celebrate, may we enjoy it, may we enjoy this festive time of year, but may we also maintain the spiritual integrity of our Lord Jesus Christ, who simply said, follow me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.